He is pansexual or something. I don't know. Welcome to Spit Take Podcast. My name is Sam. Make sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Joining me as always is Adam and Rick. What's up, Adam? Not too much. I'm tired of uh, shoveling snow. I'm done with it. Uh, it's going <laughs> to snow again tonight, and I'm not going to do it tomorrow. Um, but we have an awesome show today. Uh, first thing we're going to cover, as always, is some news. Um, we've got a small, short little review about a documentary on Netflix. We're going to be talking about Ghostbusters, Godzilla vs. Kong. There's a new trailer out for a, sh- for a movie called Abigail. And uh, we'll be talking about the new Marvel TV show, Echo. Uh, and after that, we're going to have a spirited debate about Star Wars. It's not really going to be a debate because we all feel the same, um, but it will be fun to talk about. And uh, we have a special guest joining us, and Rick's going to tell you a little bit more about him. Hey, it's Rick, the Otter Assassin. I don't have to worry much about the snow because I do not leave the house, and I pretty much stay in my basement. And um, I'm pretty addicted to Sons of the Forest right now. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all I do. <laughs> um, today we got Chris. Um, I didn't even ask how you wanted to be introduced. Sorry about <laughs> that. Um, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know uh, I've met you probably over, I've known you for like 13, 14 years now. I've known you for a long time. Yeah, That's I crazy. Think, I think it was like 2010, somewhere around there yeah. when we met. Yeah. At, uh, yeah. Old Fort Sam in uh, San Antonio. Right. And, you know, it's pretty awesome that we've kept in touch, you know, this whole time. I mean, you know, I've had social media nuked and then we still, we still find each other. So. Yeah. Sa- <laughs> uh, Chris is a big libertarian like me. And uh, we tend to speak out against politicians, and uh, that's what happens. I'm a little more safe. <laughs> um, but I use fake accounts to troll, and I'm not going to tell you what accounts those are. Um, but Chris, he's uh, really into independent, uh, the independence comic scene, comics gate. All that stuff. I'm pretty ignorant about it. I think Sam and Adam, pretty ignorant about it. Chris, can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah. Um, you know, really, it's just independent comics nowadays are, um, it's a lot easier to make them than, than it was, say, 20 years ago. You can be your own publisher. You can crowdfund. Uh, you know, it, it, there's so many different avenues uh, to getting your product out there to people. Um, you know, the, the direct to sales market is, is so much better than, you know, having a, the traditional, uh, comics, you know, like your Marvel DC image, all that, um, you know, they, they're selling their books to, uh, a distributor and then the distributor is selling it to the retailer and the retailer is selling it to you. And, um, you know, lately we've seen not only quality and story go way down into the toilet, but also quality in the art, quality in the actual uh, physical books, you know, whether it be the paper or ink still being wet or, you know, all kinds of things. And the indie market is booming because of that. Um, 
because, you know, it's just people wanting to put really fun stories, you know, give that escapism that everybody, you know, really needs. I mean, honestly, mm -hmm. um, you know, just that time to decompress. It's a comic book. So, uh, you know, I mean, comics you read in what, 30 minutes, an hour, you know, something like that. Just it's a great hobby to have. Uh, the secondary market on indie comics is also um, pretty good. You know, you can make a little bit of money on the side, buy, sell, trade type stuff. So, yeah, and I'm working on my own book um, and it will uh, launch on fundmycomic.com on February 16th. Uh, the book is called Nano 13 and it is about um, a group of people that were uh, slaves to an alien race and they gain their freedom and become freedom fighters, end up with uh, superpowers like tech oriented superpowers and um, fighting aliens. That's awesome. It sounds really cool. Um, yeah, we'll make sure we're, we drop your link into the comments if anybody uh, wants to go check out his comics. Um, <clears throat> but awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I do. You. I do have some things to say about that, though. Like, especially looking at, at what comics has become. Um, I, I kind of stopped reading comics, like mainstream comics, a while ago, hmm. especially when Punisher started admitting his white guilt <laughs> and um, that kind of started turning me off of comics because I want to see Punisher murder people, um, not really slap me across the face with a message. Listen, I'm against slavery. I was against the whole, you know, slavery to begin with and everything. Um, but that's not quite what I it, read. It was I there when slavery started. <laughs> and from the beginning, he's he no. that old. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely not. Hey, Rick, Rick there's was still slavery in the world. But if Rick had I been at that play, Lincoln would still be around. I think Jim Crow's evil, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I've read a history book. I'm not reading a comic book to learn Rick, more about it. Right, Rick with right. a hot take, man. Hot takes from Rick today. Well, you know what? Yeah. If, if you're a big fan of The Punisher back when he was The Punisher, um, Mike Barron, who is probably the definitive Punisher writer um, mm -hmm. back in the day, he uh, now does indie comics, and he has a book that came out earlier this year called Private American, and he said that his idea was, um, with everything going on on the border right now, what would the Punisher do if, if he was writing the Punisher still? He would go down to the border. So he, uh, he wrote a book about a uh, Cuban immigrant that... Uh, joins the U.S. military, um, gets out, you know, honorable service, and decides to go do something about stuff down on the border. And it is fantastic. It's got all the violence that you want out of a Punisher book, but it's a brand new character. Mike Barron is one of the greatest writers in comics, like, of all time. And, Hell yeah. And, uh, and he's got several other books as well. You know, but yeah, yeah. look up Mike Barron. And, uh, you know, check out his catalog, and I would definitely suggest Private America. You're going to have to shoot me the link on that. See, 
I told you this guy knows his shit. <laughs> Nobody was questioning it. Shut you up. Assume. You're saying just beforehand, <laughs> this guy's full of shit. Never did I and question. you were talking about your white guilt. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm obviously. I don't have white guilt. You know, Let's I, be honest. I put a, a black comic book character behind me to offset. That's Eric character. July's character. That is. That is Isom. Yeah. Is, and, uh, and I got Yaira over here. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of Eric July, by the way. Um, still hasn't accepted my friend request on Facebook, that bastard. Um, <laughs> young Ripa. Uh, but I could sit and listen to him talk all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, he, he lives just a couple hours north of me. And, uh, you know, I've run into him a few times at, at different events, especially in the running around the libertarian sphere, you know, we run in a lot of the same circles. And I do want people to know we are not particularly a pol- political show. We're, we're not a political show at all. No, <laughs> it just so happens that this is how they connect. I fucking them. hate politicians, <laughs> which I think a lot of our listeners can agree with. I don't think anybody really likes politicians right now in any form. I don't think a lot of politicians' wives and husbands really like them that much either. No, probably probably not. Probably because they're doing cocaine and hookers and shit. So that's right. On some island somewhere. Yeah. Wait, you know what? That's a good segue into our first topic um, or our first news thing. I it's not really news. I uh, I'm just going to do a quick uh, talk about. Me and my wife binge watched that new uh, World War II documentary on Netflix last week. Uh, it's called War- World War II from the Front Lines. Uh, and the whole thing is so it's uh, narrated by John Boyega. Um, the entire show is all actual footage from World War II. Um, so everything that they're showing is not reenactments, it's actual footage that was uh, remastered and colorized. Uh, and the show blew my mind. It was about six episodes, an hour each. Um, and I learned a lot that I didn't know about world war two from this, uh, seeing real footage, uh, brought a lot of things home that, and gave you a lot more emotion than just kind of watching some stuff on the history channel with little clips here and there. Um, like they had video of, uh, uh, what was it when they were taking the, the little German boys away from their mothers, um, to start, you know, the new Aryan race and everything, and basically raising them to be Hitler youths. But they're showing video of the Nazis tearing them away from their mothers and the mothers crying and stuff. Um, there were some like legitimately hard things to watch in there um, just in general. But, uh, you know, it's it was very interesting. Um, I highly recommend if you were interested in watching that kind of stuff to check it out. It's um, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. I'm not going to lie. I probably cried three or four times watching this documentary. Hmm. Um just in some of these like really dark things that they went through and they don't spend a lot of time really talking about the Holocaust or the, like the concentration camps that much. It's more just like strictly about um, the war and the fighting. There is a little bit, obviously that ties in with the, uh, with the Holocaust, you know, especially in Warsaw. Um, And they had some of the um, survivors and stuff talking about it. And I think this was old footage because these guys look like they were maybe in their seventies or eighties. So I think this was just old footage from, you know, that, of interviews that have been done in the past. Um, but it was really powerful stuff. And I mean, there were some, you're sitting there watching, you know, them talk about the Nazis and like, Oh, they're fucking terrible people. And then they start going into talking about things that, um, England was doing 
things the U.S. was doing that were equally as bad during this war. Um, the one in particular that I'm thinking of was um, uh, they were doing a bombing run. Uh, I can't remember what the town was, so they were doing a bombing run there. They And they were attacking civilians. This was England attacking civilians. Um, and they were hitting them because uh, they wanted to try to show force. They're hitting them with this. Like, they kill a bunch of people. All the survivors go into this uh, monastery. Uh, and they're in there. And there's 60,000. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't a monastery. It was a post office. There's 60,000 people in here, right? And they get the order to go drop a bomb on it. And they do it. And I had never heard that story before. Uh, but they killed 60,000 civilians with one bombing run. And you hear these kinds of things and you're like, I had no idea. Like the, you know, obviously they don't teach you that in school. We're the good guys. Right. Um, but the whole documentary has a really amazing, um, stories, things that just kind of blow your mind. They didn't spend a lot of time on Normandy. They kind of built it up and then spent like five minutes on Normandy and then moved on. Um, some of the footage from Normandy was insane. because you're just watching soldiers drop on the beach. Um, but it was really cool. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. Heck yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. World War II stuff what's it is always interesting. Uh, it's called World World War II uh, from the front lines. And again, it's all frontline footage. It's so <clears throat> it, it's just incredible because I've never seen anything like that before. And I'm not a big like war documentary kind of person. Like I'm not super into watching the History Channel or anything like that. This one really like hit me hard. Um <clears throat> So, well, World War Two is always interesting, though. Like yes. for some reason, World War Two has the best documentaries, and I think it feels like more people are interested in World War Two than any other war. It seems to have so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a Holocaust museum in town here. I know you didn't talk about the Holocaust, but uh, there was a woman that was in the Holocaust. She was a twin when she was 10 who owned the museum here. And she was tested on, uh, she had medications tested on her by Bayer and all the medications. All them. Yeah. See, they still have today farm or pharmaceutical companies. And uh, her and her twin when she was 10 years old. And it is such a heartbreaking story, but it's very interesting. She, like, moved here, and she she learned English watching soap operas. Coincidentally, she married a pharmacist here. Hmm. Um, but she ended up becoming a semi-celebrity, and uh, hmm. she ended up forgiving Dr. Maglia and the Nazis and... Uh, Jewish people are really mad at her for it, but um, there is so many stories from all sides of World War II, whether it be the Americans, whether it be the Japanese, whether it be the Italians, you know, they're the Russians, because it was the Russians that came in and saved her. There's like so many layers of World War II that like you're always hearing new stories about it every day. Yeah. Well, and like in this one at the end, you know, um, they finally take Berlin. Hitler kills himself. We all know that. Um, and it's showing footage of like the soldiers being received by like some of the locals who are happy to get rid of the Nazis and stuff. And they show like a couple of different cities across, you know, Europe 
um, that are just celebrating and like, you know, hanging out with the American troops. And it's really like a happy ending kind of thing that they give you at the end of it, which like was just so great. Um, there's one story in there um, that, you know, th- it was really interesting about a woman being trapped in a building with some other Jews. And, uh, you know, they had attached uh, the Nazis had attached a bomb. This was at the end of the war. They're like, they're coming. Just kill them all. They attached a bomb. It started raining. The bomb didn't go off. Uh, and these Americans hear that there's people trapped in there. So they go driving over there in their Jeeps as fast as they can. They open the door. You know, they save these people. They get them out of there. Uh, you know, the war is basically over at this point. This was like the last day of the war. Uh, and this woman who, you know, was in there who was telling the story uh, and the GI that came and uh, saved her, they ended up getting married and everything. And it's just like those beautiful stories that come out of this. And you're just like, and that was one of the moments that I cried was them telling the story um, blew my mind. It was, you know, uh, it was just so emotionally powerful. Um, so yeah, definitely go, go see it if you have a chance. Yeah. I think one of the the things about world war two that, you know, why it's not only so interesting, but why there's so much information about it is because there was so many changes in technology that came all at once. I mean, you, you know, there was radio and, and, uh, and like fully mechanized military, um, mm-hmm. you know, submarines, and, right. Submarines, yep. uh, you know, and things like that. And so it was, <clears throat> it was this time where, uh, the, the old world was, now in the past and this was you know this is everything new and just so much of it was documented so many stories personal letters you know all kinds of things were were documented whereas say take world war one for instance there's footage um you know um and and of course you know there's like personal letters and things like that but the the information recorded isn't as massive as World War Two was, right? You know, and so it's just this giant wealth of knowledge, um, you know that. Uh, yeah, keeps it, it was. Off. Yeah, it was essentially the first war that was really um, televised in any way because they were playing, you know, footage in the movies before the movies started playing. Um, you know, they did that. I think they did a little bit during World War One, but it wasn't nearly the coverage. And Vietnam was the first like live television, like yeah. broadcasting of a war. Um, and I think that was one of the appeals of World War II. And I mean, it was so massive. I guess I didn't, I never really clicked in my head how many people really died in World War II. Mm-hmm. When they're talking about, we bombed a building with 60,000 people in it. Like that's a lot of death right there in one bombing run. And you think this war went on for five years of like this kind of stuff happening. I mean, it was, you know, and it's just the scale of it. Is, yeah. is incredible. And as you're hearing the stories of these battles and how many people die and you're really starting to understand how the scale of these battles were, it's nothing uh, like what we went through when we were over there, you know? No. I mean, then you wonder why I hate politicians. That, <laughs> I, I think another couple of reasons why it's so interesting to so many people is we're not that far generationally off. Oh, did we lose Adam? Nope, I'm still here. All right. So we're not that far generationally away from that war. So my both my grandfathers fought in World War II. 
they never really talked about it. One of my grandfathers wrote a like memoir sort of thing that I haven't gotten to read yet, but talked about, you know, his experience in the war. Um, he was over in the Pacific. My other grandfather was in, uh, or flew and was like a belly gunner on a bomber in the, in the European front. Um, <clears throat> and it, it changed so many geographic lines as well. It changed just the way people thought about things because the beginning of the war, you had people bringing horses to fight tanks and very quickly learning that didn't work. Mm -hmm. So there, there's just so many, like y'all said, so many things that changed about the way that war is done in that war, that it's a case study on evolution. Mm-hmm. Well, and for me, I didn't have anybody fight in the war, but my family was still living in Germany when Hitler took power. Uh, my grandma, her brother, um, and uh, uh, their parents, obviously, they were all living there. And they, you know, Hitler took power. I think a few years later, they were like, yep, we're, we fuck this guy. We're out of here. And that's when they headed to America. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were there. They saw everything happening. Um you know, they still had family back there. They lived through those atrocities. Um, I never really talked to them or anything, but uh, I'm sorry, they're, they're relatives. I didn't really know. So, um, but in any case, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, there's so many great stories, I think, from that time. It was great and, and sad stories, mm-hmm. um, but very powerful stuff. And uh, yeah, check it out. Again, World War II from the front lines. I always wonder if, like, you know, say you you go back to um, the Roman Republic, uh, if there was, like, a generation of of people, you know, that were uh, the generation after the Punic Wars, you know, that looks Mm -hmm. back like, oh, my grandfather fought in the Punic Wars, and that's, like, the topic of discussion. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, there absolutely, I'm sure there absolutely was. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah I mean, I, it's it's part of the human experience, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, like as awful as war is, it, it's reality, and every generation, you know, has some sort of definitive wartime something going on as far back as time goes, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the way people act now is, I mean, there's. A way I wanted to say this, but it wasn't so woke. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, the way people act now is the way people have always acted, just different language. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? There's people that are against war. There are people that are for war. There are people that carry on traditions. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, there are people that joke ar- about make dirty jokes and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, people don't really change throughout history. You know what I like? There are cave drawings of dirty jokes and stuff like that. I mean, so people don't really change. I think the way it's done, the language changes. Yeah. The amount of, uh, penis carvings on Hadrian's wall that the Romans did. (laughs) I was was thinking about that and thinking about the Roman 
like graffiti of so and so fuck so and so here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. there was actually recently uh, a tablet. Well, I say a tablet. It was a rock that had a crude carving in it, dug up in England, and uh, it was it. What it said was this guy's name, which I I can't remember exactly what it was, but it said uh, uh, this guy. You know, we'll we'll say Rick. Um, Rick is a poop, and then it had a carving of a penis on it. <laughs> See, awesome. we we knew Rick was old. We yeah. already said he was there for the Civil War. So. <laughs> he got a lot of gray in this beard. Well, Rick's and Rick's drawing I'm a lot of dicks more. in his time. I parted the sea. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Well, I just wanted to touch on that. We can move on to the next, next thing. Yeah, you beat me to it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what the point of that was, but sure. <laughs> it's a next subject. <laughs> um, Ghostbusters <laughs> and Godzilla vs. Kong got uh, got new release dates. They got both got pushed up a week. Uh, I was reading about it earlier. It looks like it's just to compete in the spring market. Um, no real significant reason why they were moved up. Uh, it doesn't look like they have that much they're competing against. I was reading there's uh, some new Mark Wahlberg movie coming out that people aren't expecting to do that well. It's some kind of biography. Uh, I'll probably learn more about that later. But uh, either way, I'm excited to have those two movies move up a week and bring me a week closer to watching them. No. I, I think those are probably the two movies I am want to see this year. Like Two of three. Don't forget Deadpool. Other than Deadpool... Those are the two top movies I want to see. Um, Ghostbusters has everybody but Egon coming back and Godzilla and Kong. I mean, yeah. that's all I need. Yeah. Godzilla and Kong Godzilla and Kong looks like they're like just buddies now or something, but um <clears throat> just that final scene in the teaser trailer they gave us of the two of them just running into battle. I'm I'm there for it. I'm ready for it. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm. I'm just waiting for Sam Jackson to show up and you know, in, in an end credit scene and say we need you for the Avengers Initiative. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think he already died. Yeah, he, he died. <laughs> well, that he was died. in the '70s in yeah. Skull Island, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And as we're learning from Monarch, time doesn't always mean everything. That's true. <laughs> nope. No, Maybe no spoilers. In, uh, what is the hollow earth the hollow earth where time moves differently which was never brought up until monarch you know the whole thing they did in godzilla vs kong (laughs) yep well i don't think that's that much of a spoiler but there is a there is a time dilation down there that we learn about um and i think they're just really trying to expand on that whole thing uh with the hollow earth that they mentioned in godzilla vs kong and they briefly visited um actually i actually like what they've been doing with it because they're just exploring basically a whole new world i think the last episode came out yesterday and i haven't watched it yet by the way after the discussion last week uh about godzilla godzilla minus one still better than the whole monster verse um but i did watch a lot of godzilla last week uh just because it's been a while. And I haven't sat down and watched the whole monster verse like in a row. Um, Godzilla 2014 was trash. 
The the only good thing about it was Godzilla atomic puking down the monster's throat. That's it. Uh, but no. 2019 Godzilla was pretty good. I I, uh, I think they figured out with that with that first one that um, people just want to see Godzilla doing Godzilla stuff. You know, there was too much human story in in the first one. And well, the thing is though. The the human story wasn't good. Right. It exactly. just they were just moving the plot along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought the human story in Skull Island, um, Godzilla King of the Monster was better. The Kong story in uh Godzilla versus Kong was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh other than that, the human story in that wasn't that great. So I liked in the 2014, I did like, you know, how the humans are following him along. It was still kind of an unknown thing because this was like it was new guys. It was, this wasn't like a continuation from, you know, the 1950s and stuff. This was brand new, um, right. you know, and they were like, hey, we don't know who what this is. He's not. And Monarch hasn't made themselves um, public yet at this point. So they don't know. They're just following around trying to do what they can to stop him because they think he's the bad guy, obviously. Um, now here's where I do take issue with some of the human story is, um, like myself, Rick and Chris being veterans, uh, and Sam could probably figure this out too, without being a veteran. Uh, you don't just move around and jump onto different units at will. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, Aaron right. Taylor. No. That, yeah. You can't just do officer. And he wasn't. <laughs> he was like a lieutenant. Yeah. He was. It was Aaron Taylor Johnson. Just like he sees a group. Oh, I'll jump in with you guys. Oh, now I'm a paratrooper. Now I'm this. Now I'm demolition. Like and it did, that's did the only that part. Fort Polk and got in trouble. So <laughs> <laughs> they actually did that and got in trouble. <laughs> I went back. I went back in the wrong vehicle one time and got in trouble. <laughs> like that was it. I was still in my right. same unit, just in the wrong vehicle. And I was doing a. Um, There's like, a hey, come along in Fort Polk. Doing a uh, in the box doing a op four exercise, basically war games, and I was supposed to stand guard with somebody, and I thought my team was running off, but it was somebody else's team, and I went running off with them. So I was off with some people I didn't even know. <laughs> that sounds like a very big thing to do. It does. <laughs> I think we, that's we cleared a building. And they're like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "I don't know." And we killed a bunch of people. <laughs> and then we got in trouble. Mission accomplished, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the... uh, if you haven't seen Godzilla minus one, like it does not need Godzilla to be a good movie, but Godzilla fucking makes it that much better of a movie, and it's. So much better than all of Monsterverse, but I do love the Monsterverse because I do love the whole idea of the um the shared universe of monsters. But if they do want a Monsterverse, Mothra needs her own movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I I agree that that Mothra needs a, a separate film because Mothra has no. always been a very complex character. You know, I, I mean, <clears throat> that's the thing. Like, Mothra isn't just some moth. Like, there's there's right. there's a whole lot going on there, and I would actually love to see a standalone Mothra movie. Mm-hmm. Like that that would be awesome. I've always been a big fan of Rodan, and um, you know, I I think that it would be great to have 
some sort of Rodan film too. Yeah, it'd be great if they just expanded a little bit and did some different uh, different monsters and stuff. Well, you know, the thing is, is like Hollywood, and, and we'll say that that the MCU kind of started this whole shared universe thing, right? Um, and and some have been tried, and and fa- actually, with the exception of Godzilla, I think all of them that have tried have eventually failed. Um, you know, but I I think just focusing on like good storytelling and and remember that it's escapism like it doesn't have to make your gears turn it's i want to see godzilla do godzilla stuff man you know Mm -hmm. and that's what they deliver on for sure you know i i back when universal was talking about doing a a, a monster verse, you know, with the with the classic monsters. Oh yeah! I got super excited, super yeah. excited because man, I love love classic monsters. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. then the mummy fucked it up. Yeah, like, yeah. I, and it was the first one in the franchise. I was like, how in the world? Like, <laughs> how do you make a Tom Cruise movie bomb? Right? You know, that's crazy. Well, and how how, how like, far did how far did he run in that movie? That's the question. <clears throat> because we all well, know the further he runs, the better the movie performs. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, and I never so I never actually saw that that mummy movie with Tom Cruise. Um and I wonder, did we hold it up against the nineteen ninety nine cinematic masterpiece, The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser? See, and to, and to me, if if they were gonna make a monster verse they already have material they could have drawn from. They could have drawn from the the Brendan Fraser film. Um, there mm-hmm. was rumors that they were going to do uh, Dracula. Was it Dracula Untold? Was going to be the canon? Yeah. Dracula. Oh, that'd be cool. Or whatever. You know, I mean, there was there was that. There's, uh, you know, but it's and it's to me it's so easy. It's yeah. It's really easy to make a mummy movie or a Dracula movie or. You know any any of those classic monsters because those stories are are timeless. You know, mm-hmm. but, right? Well, in the nineteen ninety nine cinematic masterpiece, The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser, was absolutely amazing. I love that movie. I've watched that one on repeat. Um, Brendan Fraser winning the Oscar last year. I was like, you deserve that for the nineteen ninety nine cinematic masterpiece, <laughs> The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to point out Man. that that is <laughs> it is one of the greatest movies, and uh, and you know I don't think it was as well received, but like you go back and watch it, it holds up. Like it oh, was a fantastic. good movie. It is fantastic. Yeah. They did fantastic. It was the, good. yeah. The and second one wasn't bad. Brendan Fraser because he's a, a national sweetheart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he was he's, still at that time. He was still popular from being Encino Man. Yep. Yes. Like, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. If 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 you guys are into, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna plug more indie comic creators. If you guys are into classic uh, monsters, you know Frankenstein and stuff like that. Um, look up Graham Nolan. Uh, he is the co-creator of Bane, the the Batman villain. Um, mm-hmm. He does independent comics now uh, at uh, Compass Comics. And he has an entire monster verse in in his uh, in his canon that has cool. has uh, uh, Frankenstein and 
and some cryptids like the Chinu and uh, uh, and what else? There's Alien Alamo and Monster Island is is one of his more popular books. Uh, so yeah, right. Graham Nolan, co-creator of Bane. Cool. Yeah. Well, and one one last thing I'll talk about MonsterVerse. Do you guys remember the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yes. 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 <laughs> it was so bad. Sean Connery quit acting because of that movie. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, even that. Combo, That's not even a joke. He, he did. Went out on he a high did. Note. He went out on a high note. Oh, you're talking about he, the voice acting. He did one movie. I don't remember what the movie was, but he did voice act a dog or something. You know, and oh I, was never, I was never a fan of the comics. Um, I, it was just like, uh, I was like, why are you guys making a movie out of this? I never read the comics. I was, I think, probably 10 years old when this movie came out. And just like, again, like we've talked about just seeing bad movies as kids where you shouldn't know they're bad movies. You should probably still enjoy them a little bit. But it's so bad, you no. just can't. Yeah, I remember trying to watch it several times and like thinking I should be enjoying this, and I'm don't. not, and I can't. I don't know why I'm not, but it's <laughs> just not enjoyable. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I'm with you. Uh, okay, so I guess I'm the only one here that actually enjoyed it because it was bad. <laughs> you are. <laughs> If you enjoyed I, it, then yes, you are. I, I would still go <laughs> back and rewatch that movie. The Mario original Chinese Mario. Mario. Oh, that one, no, that wasn't wasn't good, but I enjoyed it. I had fun. It was ridiculous. Yeah. In fairness, he made the point that if it was not called Super Mario, it would have been a halfway still decent be a movie. movie. Mm-hmm. Halfway decent. Well, <laughs> no, it'd still be terrible. I don't even think yeah. I said halfway decent. <laughs> I think right, I might have next, said it would be okay. Um, <laughs> we, I retract uh, my statement. <laughs> all of us got a chance to see the Abigail trailer, the vampire ballerina. Um, Adam <laughs> Why did you say it like pointed. that? Adam was the one. The vampire ballerina. <laughs> because... I'm hearing my voice for the first time in these headphones, and I'm trying to get used to it. It's so weird. You are yelling um, a little bit. So, here's my thing. <laughs> this trailer was awesome. Adam's the one that pointed this out. Um, female vampires. No one talks about this. Female vampires in general are the creepiest monster of all monsters. There was a uh, kind of a scary movie, but it was a kid's scary movie when I was little, even though the vampire, the male vampire, picked the little girl up and called the little girl a bitch um, in the movie. It was called Monster Squad. Um, uh-huh. It had the Corys in it, or one of the Corys. Um, yeah. But there was, if you look it up, the female va- vampires from Monster Squad are the creepiest thing in the world. For some reason, female women vampires, I don't know why I say females, but uh, vampire bitches are the worst. <laughs> it's it, it's because vampires, like, by nature, are seductive. And we're guys. That's true. So female vampires are going to be scary as shit. My, my, my favorite vampire movie of all time is Fright Night. And uh, you know, at, at that's the a end, good one. At the end, his girl gets gets turned, and she 
you know, just this, like, grotesque, you know, like, giant teeth like this, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's wild. And then in the second Fright Night movie, um, it's, it's the, the vampire from the first one, it's his sister, I don't know how that works, but, you know, whatever. I see the second and, one. And, yeah, it's, like, super creepy, and, mm. you know, I mean, yeah. They did a good job with the Christopher Mintz Platzi was in that movie. Um, but uh, the trailer. This one's, not, this one's not so seductive. No. Um. <laughs> well, no. So the, this trailer, the reason it kind of caught my eye was at first I didn't know it was about vampires or anything. It was just a little girl as a ballerina. And I think it was on Facebook and they had a caption like, you know, like little girls are evil or something like that, or children are evil, something like that. So I'm like, okay, something's up with this girl. I'm watching the trailer. It's going through girl gets kidnapped by these people. She's stuck in this room. She has this conversation. We're a minute into this trailer now. And all of a sudden she's like, I'm sorry that you're going to die or something like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. About, like, oh, I'm sorry about what's going to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they blatantly say in the trailer, like she's a vampire. And when her face turns and they show her vampire form, it brought me back to uh, 30 days of night. It was very reminiscent of those vampires. Uh, but the trailer was cool because it shows them like basically these people are bad people who are trying to kidnap her and ransom her. And now the tables have turned and she's going around murdering them. She's trapped them in the house and everything. Um, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun for anybody who's kind of a horror fan. Uh, it's by the same people that did your next, um, which was a really good movie too. Uh, and there was a couple of people in the movie, a couple of the actors that I, at first I didn't think I really knew anybody in it. And then I looked at a couple of them and I've definitely seen some of their work before. Um, but it <laughs> looks like it's a lot of fun. And I mean, even one guy's like, he's like, ah, he's like, I hate ballerinas and stuff like that. Like it's a little cheesy. I hate ballet. <laughs> <laughs> I hate ballet. That's what it was. I hate ballet. Yeah. It looks like it's a little cheesy, but you know what? And it's going to have some like dark moments in it. I think there's a part where she's dancing in people's blood. I, I don't know. It's going to be, it looks like fun. So that's what I want to see. Vampires have to be monsters. Like there was too long of a period where we, we got vampires that were, you know, you had sparkly vampires and you had Anne Rice vampires. No, 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 no. They are monsters. Like make mm -hmm. me afraid of, of this creature, you know? Yeah. So who was the or who's the actor in that that looks like buff Elon Musk? Kevin Durant. Okay. <laughs> because I so the first look that I got was just a quick pan over his face and I was like, is that fucking Elon Musk? Dude, I saw I thought the same thing when I saw him. I was like, is that Elon Musk in this movie? I was like, what well, the well, fuck well, is happening no. here? But little no. vampires, just as creepy. Kirsten Dunst, Interview with a Vampire. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. And she was, she is one of my favorite vampires of all time. Um, and Abigail, she looks scary. Mm -hmm. This movie does look scary, and it, it looks does. like it does justice to the vampire genre. Well, and that's why I kind of like this trailer it looked bloody it looked violent it looked gory and um it was the the vampire was mischievous the way you want a vampire a little girl vampire to be right 
Well, in this movie, like I said, I didn't recognize people right off the bat watching this trailer. But as I went through it, so Kevin Durand was one of them, and he's done some really good movies. He was the blob in uh, X-Men Origins. Okay, I'm not saying that was a good movie. That was a bad example to start with. But he was the blob in that movie. Um, He was also in the Robin Hood movie with uh, Russell Crowe, which I actually thought was pretty decent. Um, Smoke and Aces, man. Smoke and Aces, yeah. And then uh, the other big one for me was Catherine Newton, who was Claire Novak in Supernatural. Uh, she was Cassie Lang mm-hmm. in Ant Man uh, and Wasp Quantumania. Thank um, you. I was I, it was supernatural that I knew her from. I was yes. trying to place her face the entire time, and it was driving me insane. Thank you. She was Cassiel Cassiel's daughter. Well, not his daughter, but you know what I mean, like his uh, yeah. um, the human's daughter. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, she played a pretty prominent character in the show later on. But she was great. Yeah. yeah. She is. And she was one that I like I had to look at IMDb and then I was like, oh, I was like, OK, because I didn't recognize her at first either. Um, but the movie looks like it's a lot of fun. I'm going to go see it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go watch that. Absolutely. We should have a date night. We should go together. <laughs> Might as well. My wife won't go, won't go watch it. I can't tell. He's <laughs> having a stroke. Uh, yeah, no, my wife won't go watch it either. So. Um, but no, it, it does look, it does look fun. It randomly popped up on my Facebook and I was like, I want to talk about this. Um, but I think we're good. We can move on to the last thing, which is the new Marvel show that's out echo. And do we care? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the thing is, is like, I, I, I haven't watched it. I don't plan on watching it. Um, I, I'm already hearing, you know, the of course all of the, you know, oh, you know, stunning and brave and blah blah blah, like, <laughs> you know, it, it's the same garbage, and and I mean, I just can't, I can't do it, man. It's it's so awful. I, it's not even, <clears throat> it's not even Marvel anymore. Like they're yeah. doing, they have, they have what. 80 years of source material and they're like we're gonna take this 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 character that was created yesterday and we're gonna make a tv show about her oh and by the way it's all gonna be about you know like her checkbox identity and everything it's not gonna be about you know anything else about i mean yeah you know the thing is is all these people you know oh well you know she's she's deaf or whatever okay well um you know, like, like Daredevil is blind. They don't make a whole. The, they don't make everything about how Daredevil is blind. They make it about how cool he is. You know, I mm-hmm. just I can't. Yeah, they, they well, they they do it more with Daredevil, but Hawkeye's deaf. Yes, Hawkeye's deaf, and you didn't know watching all of the Avengers. You don't know he's deaf. Of course, I personally think they might have forgotten about that little fact through all those movies well they didn't but, even bring it up to the uh, yeah. show yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but i mean e- even in the comics they rarely mention it mm-hmm. like the the one thing everybody goes back to is um when he runs into deadpool deadpool pulls his mask up so he can read his lips like that yeah. that's the one thing everybody brings up but really they they don't focus on hawkeye being deaf Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know why your, your your disability or your race or your ethnicity, your background, any of that stuff has to be front and center when it should be what you're doing is the main point. 
Well, that's yeah. what all the fans have been saying for years. You know, it's you know, ever since this stuff crept into the comics and is now trickled up into you know the movies and the TV is like, why in the world? Because I mean, there have been plenty of characters that had you know like there's been gay characters there's been mm-hmm. north star there's been uh, yeah north star um there's been uh you know characters with disabilities but the thing is is none of that is at the forefront you know it's always like they're, they're it's not hero. their identity right they're a hero doing hero shit and then and then no. this is just you know like okay you know whatever man it's oh ooh. Well, here's my yep. thing. I don't really give a shit about that. Um, the thing that turned me out... The, here's my thing. Uh, I can't Wait. just stop caring about the Marvel Universe after the third Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm just not excited anymore. Loki Season 2 came out, and that has nothing to do with any of all that stuff you're talking about. I just don't care... Because I'm just not excited about comic or like these superhero mainstream superhero movies anymore. Um, even though we watched Aquaman too, being both mm-hmm. me and Adam watched it and we really liked it. Um, but Echo may or may not be good. I did like the uh, Hawkeye show. I didn't hate it. It wasn't great. Uh, Echo was in it, but like Chris said, why is that the character you're making a show about? Uh, Kingpin's going to be in it. Cool. I'll check it out. If it's not good, I'm probably not going to watch the whole thing. I know I tried watching uh, Secret Invasion. I didn't watch the whole thing because it was Mm -hmm. terrible. Uh, And that's the thing. Like I think after She-Hulk... I watched She-Hulk all the way through, and that last episode was such a clusterfuck that I was just like, I'm done. Yeah. That last episode of She-Hulk, like, She-Hulk's a good, was always a good comic book character, uh, mainstay of the Avengers, she was in the Fantastic Four, she... um she was kind of like Deadpool, where she like talked to the audience, broke the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. She was funny. Um, she was smart. She uh, always stayed in character as a lawyer and stuff like, or always stayed in her Hulk state as a lawyer and stuff like that. Um, and they made the show, and they made it for certain people. And there were parts of it that I thought were good, but then that last episode was just like, who was this for? Because the people who was, it was for, my wife did not give a shit about the show. I cared more about the show than my wife did. And that last episode just like, didn't make any sense. And people who like the Mary Sue website, um, which I do read every once in a while, just see what they're saying. Um, we're like, well, that's how it is in the comics. It's like, no, because the comic makes it make sense. That mm-hmm. didn't make sense. I had no idea what they were talking about. You know, and so after that, I was just like, I'm and done with so it. So many of these directors now are going and telling the actors and actresses, do not go read the source material. 
Yep. Which which means that like they're not making She Hulk or or e- even Echo. They're making whatever they want and slapping the name of that character on there. You know, I I, I know there was like a big controversy when the uh, when the Peacemaker show was about to come out, and you know, apparently like it was it was all over the place that that John Cena was told not to read any source material, and sure enough. Peacemaker is nothing like Peacemaker in in the comics. And, you know, I mean, I I think comic book fans have been tired of it for a while and have moved on. Um, You know, and the the cinema fans, I think, are pretty fed up with it and and are just looking for, you know, like, hey, what what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to watch next? Because it's not going to be this garbage. Yeah. Well, and I really so I I loved Peacemaker. I thought it was an awesome show. I never read any comics containing Peacemaker except for the occasional Suicide Squad one. Um, I just thought it was a really well told story, and it was a lot of fun. And really, just uh, Vigilante was the best character Vigilante in the show for sure. Great in it. <laughs> no, um, but and you know, and I know he's f- pretty far removed from what he was in the comics. But I just I thought what they did with the with it was really fun. Um, as far as Echo goes, I don't really know the character that well, except for what I saw in Hawkeye. I don't know. Was she a comic book character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She actually has. The the thing is, what what's irritating is that they focus so much on on her identity, at, you know, like her race and her disability and things like that, because she actually does have an interesting backstory where she's the daughter of a mobster that gets knocked off by the kingpin. Kingpin adopts her, but but she has no idea that that Kingpin, uh, you know, is the is the guy that that killed her family yeah. and everything. Mm. And and then she finds out later on, and she shoots his eye out. And uh, you know, so it's it's a really really interesting and good origin story. But the character falls flat because they focus on the wrong things. Right. Well, and if there's any reason I'm going to watch this show, it's to watch Vincent D'Onofrio play the Kingpin. Yeah, because um, he he That's did such a good job. He did yeah. such a good job in Daredevil, and I think that like a like if there was a Kingpin show, I would watch it a hundred percent. Vincent well, D'Onofrio is just coming back. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio is just such an amazing actor, and he has been since Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Um, even in Men in Black, playing Edgar, yeah. uh, he was awesome in that. Yeah, just <laughs> walking around with his skin hanging off. Dude, um, he was so good. That his that's his best work, in my opinion. You know, how long, Holy you know how crap. long you know how long it took me to realize that that was Vincent D'Onofrio? <laughs> like well past probably 70, 80 viewings of this movie. Oh wow. Um yeah, I didn't realize that. And I think when I was a kid I didn't know him as well because I had never, you know, no. I didn't see I didn't see Full Metal Jacket when I was whatever, ten years old when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um you know, but I, you know, when I realized I was like, holy shit, uh, but he is such a good actor and he's done so many amazing parts and he just played the kingpin so well um, that I, I that if I watch Echo, it's because of that. And when I watch the trailer, it is by far the reason that I want to watch the show. But I wonder how much he really is an Echo. Correct. Is he the main villain or is he just. See a flashback? Is he there a little bit? Yeah, I gotcha. Because and, uh, I think at the end of a Hawkeye or in Hawkeye, wasn't it like 
she shot him or something. I don't know. Shot him? Was he alive? Did he go blind? Yeah, that's the 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 whole thing in the comic books where she shoots him in the eye. He, he goes blind or something. Yes, he, he gets yeah. an eye patch. He gets I, an eye patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I, you know, and I, I'm a big fan of just Kingpin in general because he touches so much in the Marvel Comics universe. Like he's, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I've always thought of him as a Daredevil okay. villain. But you know he's right. he's kind of like Doctor Doom in, in that you know you think of Doom as a Fantastic Four villain, but you know he's a big Avengers a villain, and and you know Kingpin is a villain mm-hmm. to so many different characters, not just Daredevil or Spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's I, like the street level. Yeah, yeah, bad guy, King, main bad guy. I mean, ju- similar to you, but Kingpin to me has always been a Spider Man villain because that's who I was most into growing up Mm -hmm. is Spider-Man. So I always saw him, he and Spider-Man going back and forth. And I think that that's my biggest concern, I guess, is that I don't feel like we'll see Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin against Spider-Man because he's been so taken into this universe. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really want. Cause I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I, I have such an issue with how they're, they've been doing Spider-Man for the last, you know, eight movies or whatever it is it's Same. at now, because I'm so tired of high school Spider-Man. There's mm-hmm. so many years of Spider-Man that they can go off of in where comics, he's not in high school. Yeah. In the comics, he has not been in high school <laughs> since the 70s. So yeah. Why do we keep getting high school Peter Parker? You know, yeah, and because for some reason, the the industry looks at it as the way to get young kids into into, you know, the movies or all that. And young kids don't care. They're into whatever they're into. Captain America, Captain America. Who cares? Superman is not in high school. And, and, (laughs) you know, like people love Superman. Batman. Is is a CEO of a big tech company, <laughs> you know? Like the, the kids, kids don't care yeah. about that part. They yeah. want to see Spider Man doing cool stuff. Well, they keep they yeah. keep like rebooting him, doing an origin story on him yeah. over and over and over again because they like, keep wanting to be him to be young. And I yeah. don't get it. I don't get it. There's so many more interesting things he can do. You know, one of the things that I thought when 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 the cinematic universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was getting going and, and uh, like I think the first uh, couple of, of actor changes were um, uh, Rhodey and Bruce Banner. And I was like, you yeah. know, they could honestly go on if if they treat this like the comic books, they could go on forever because comic books get new artists, new editors, mm-hmm. new you know, all kinds of stuff. I'm totally fine with replacing actors as they go along and make these characters kind of the immortals that they are in the books, because really yeah. you're just telling stories, you know, I mean, why, why not? And, um, and they, they, they didn't have that kind of foresight, but these aren't comic no. book fans. They're, they're Hollywood people and they're disconnected from uh, the reality. <laughs> well, Hey, you know what? Hey, in all fairness, uh, Nick Fury went from uh, David Hasselhoff to Samuel L. Jackson. That's true. That's yeah. true. And and 
Here's the thing. I I saw that terrible movie. So uh, (laughs) I watched the whole thing. So the original Nick Fury from the comic books was actually based off of Errol Flynn. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, like everybody knew him as the big action hero of his time and things like that. Um, And then uh, when when they were when Marvel was coming up with the uh, Ultimate Universe, they were like, well, I think we need to update Nick Fury. You know, who would you say is like the end all be all badass of of now? And they uh, pretty much the artist on the Ultimates um, was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna draw him like Sam Jackson," and uh, mm-hmm. and they didn't get sued, which was crazy. And Sam Jackson was like, "I like this idea," you know. And mm-hmm. I mean, I do look at it as tokenization, but um, you know, like I I don't think that their motive was uh, you know like tokenization for tokenization's sake. I think it was yeah. more of Hey, who's a more relevant action hero for for now? You know. Well, I mean, I mean, to me, he's a perfect character to be able to change the race on and do all that shit shit on because he's a gray man. You don't mm-hmm. know his background really. You don't know who he was previously. There's not a whole lot on that. He's just the gray man. He's the guy there who is organizing all this stuff and. Sometimes does pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of wish the Marvel Universe, before we move on, um, number one, I wish they kind of do what they do with, like, the Joker and Batman and kind of make other stories outside the universe. No. Um, And I wish DC would do something other than Batman. Um, Number two, the Marvel Universe has gotten so uninteresting. Um, I don't care about the Marvels. I don't care about Echo. Like, I'm not looking forward to anything. We'll see where the Thunderbolts go, I guess. It's um, going to be bad. It's going to yeah, be so what, bad. Like, there's, those aren't even, I'm like, not, most of those characters aren't even the real Thunderbolts. I mean, it's kind of irritating. I'm like, right. Oh. Like, where's the Red Hulk? Where's, uh, you know, um, New Mach 4 I'm, I'm just, and, and, and Songbird I, and, you know, I'm like, come I on. Just, uh, I just wanted to point out, I just don't like where the, I don't know where Marvel Universe is going. I know Fantastic Four and X-Men. I just don't, I, I don't think they know what they're doing right now. I You know, honestly, I honestly, I, I think they do. I think that they hate their, their viewers. I think that they mm-hmm. hate these characters. Because there's you cannot screw up this bad on on accident, you know. At some yeah. point, some executive goes, "How many billions have we lost? You're all fired," you know. But there seems to be some sort of an agenda going on. I'm not even mad at them. I'm bored by them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, I think they're boring. Well, and that's why I love the indie space because we're we're just creating new stuff. You know, it's interesting. It's it's cool. You're getting better quality. I mean, everything. You know, not not just not just story wise, but you're getting better quality art. The physical books themselves have a higher higher grade paper. Um, you know, like everything, and you're so connected to the creators. I mean, my uh, the editor on my book, 
uh, Mark Bolton. He used to work for DC and Image, uh, uh, and he uh, uh, he was the writer for Savage Hawk Band, and you know, and and he's doing his own thing now. This guy has put out twenty independent books uh, in the last six years, I think, somewhere around there. You know, and they're fantastic. Like, you know, it's the stuff that I grew up. I mean, the style of story and art and everything that I grew up with in the 90s. You know, it's just fun, crazy stuff. Nice. Sweet. All right. Moving on here. The last thing we're going to do today is talk about our topic, which is Star Wars. Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. I'm going to find that clip and I'm going to put it right there. (laughs) <laughs> right there. it's gonna be beautiful and if i didn't i hope you enjoyed that uh but we have a lot to talk about with star wars um we have not really touched on star wars too much surprisingly in our previous episodes a little bit here and there um and i think rick wanted to talk about our first experience with star wars um and i'm gonna let him go first yeah i thought it'd be interesting to talk about like we're, we're- what was like the first time you seen it or what, like, what did you think? What did you feel? And, uh, I remember I was living in a little house. My parents were poor in Wilmington, Illinois, in a little apartment. And I remember my first experience. The first thing I seen was Luke running with Yoda on his back through the swamp. and. I was quite intrigued by the puppetry. Um, As you guys know, I love 80s. I love sci-fi fantasy of the 80s. I love the puppetry of the 80s. And I think that was probably the beginning of my uh, fascination with the puppetry of, uh, you know, late 70s and 80s. And I remember being very excited and, joyful watching that for the first time and so it my first experience was watching yoda train luke on dagobah well rick you talk a lot about puppets i'm just curious do you use puppets in your therapy for people (laughs) do you suck a lot of dick Is that like, does a bear shit in the woods? Yeah. I can just see him holding up a little puppet and just being like, so tell me, what are you thinking about today? Are you doing okay? Any negative thoughts? How do you think, Mr. Head? Oh, no, he's pulling out Sako again. (laughs) I have a little sock puppet. It's kind of crispy, but, you know. (laughs) why does your sock puppet make that crinkling noise (laughs) where did you pull that out of because I masturbate into it get it (laughs) (laughs) you know Star Wars was uh, you know so many of our childhoods um, you know, mm-hmm. like like Rick, I think my earliest memories were were also of Luke running around with with Yoda. I mean, grew up poor as well. Had a VHS of of all three movies. 
um, well, several VHSs of all three movies. But yep, we didn't buy them. We recorded them off the TV. You know, you had to jump <laughs> yeah. up and hit the hit the stop the whenever, two buttons. Yeah, so to... whenever the commercial yep. came on, and you always got like the first like second of the commercial, and then it back yep. to the movie. Um, but you know, and that's the thing. And it, it, it as long as Lucas had it, it was. It was ever expanding. It was ever interesting. You know, I, I like I was I was super into the books. Um, I like read probably thirty thirty five of of the the Lucas era uh, books, and um, and I've read like four of the Disney era books, and I'm I'm done with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and that's I think a lot of people was like, when did Star Wars get bad? You know what the hell happened? And well, let's keep it on uh, the first question first. Then we'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about when it got bad. Um, but uh, I couldn't tell you the first time I saw the movie. I could, I've been watching it since I can remember. Uh, before I can remember, obviously, um, I love the original trilogy. Growing up, you know, Luke was a badass. Han was a badass. Leia was a badass. You had your, you know, your three right there. Chewbacca was in there somewhere too. Um, but like you're watching the trilogy and it's clearly defined good and evil. And, you know, growing up, I love that, you know, reading comics, good and evil, everything was clearly defined. Um, and I was a big fan of the books too. I read, uh, the, uh, the Jedi Academy books. Um, I read, those are good. They were very good. They were very good. I read the, uh, the Timothy Zahn books, which, I was blown away that when they made the sequels, they didn't follow them at all uh, because they were just so fucking good. Um, and I, again, I just, I couldn't tell you what my first experience was, but uh, I remember uh, on super Nintendo, I had the return of the Jedi game and I played the shit out of that one. Um, I played the battlefront games. I played a lot of star Wars. I had the star Wars toys. Like my mom used to like reward us for doing our chores by letting us pick out a Star Wars toy. She would have a bunch of them in her closet. We would, you know, do our chores for the week and she would say, cool, you get to pick one. And I had, you know, tons of the characters. I had Lando, I had Han, multiple versions of Luke, multiple versions of Vader. Um, and I had the little Millennium Falcon that opened up with the little minifigs inside, uh, which I found out lately what that thing is worth probably about 10 grand. Unfortunately, I lost all the pieces, but it, I think it is around my house somewhere. Um, so I'm going to go find that, pay off some credit card debt. Uh, but yeah, I just like I again, it was just a huge part of my childhood growing up. We played Star Wars. I had the I had this, the lightsaber toy that extended and, you know, I'd fight my brother and whack him in the face with it. It was, you know, everything was about Star Wars when I was a kid. So for me, um I, it was probably, I was probably seven when I first saw A New Hope and it was my parents decided, hey, we're going to show you Star Wars. Um, and it might have been because I found some Star Wars toys that they had. They had some original Star Wars toys and Damn. yeah, um, they've still got them in their basement somewhere. Uh, I played with those. My brothers played with those, beat the shit out of them. Um, we had the, yeah, the original Millennium Falcon. Um, yeah, 
all this stuff. <laughs> and I think I sat down watched new hope, um, and then went on to complete the trilogy. And, uh, I think, let's see the first, the first game I played was rogue squadron. Hell yes. Uh, loved that game. It was a great, great, game. great game. Now, unlike the rest of y'all, the only book that I've read is Death Troopers. And I, I love that, that book. Fantastic. But I've never I've never read it. I've only ever listened to the audible version of it. And the dude that narrates it does a an, an amazing job of hitting all of the different voices and doing a fantastic job. So if you haven't listened to it, listen to it on Audible. I highly recommend that. Yeah, I did read the Shadows of the Empire comic book when they had that come out. That was a good one. And I played the game on Nintendo 64. She's um, horrible, man. <clears throat> she's horrible. <laughs> yep. Dash Rendar. Such such a good uh, storyline that I'm really surprised they haven't touched. And I hope they really don't touch, honestly, with the way things have been going. Um, but yeah, that was always that one was fantastic. But yeah, Rogue Squadron. That was my shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that game. Trench uh, run. The trench yeah, run was awesome. It's great. And every, every Rogue Squadron game had the trench run. It didn't matter. They were like, we don't give a shit if we did in the last one. We're going to do it again. That's right. Yep. <clears throat> if you have a if you have a Star Wars um, fighter pilot game, it has the trench run. X-Wing yep. had it, which X-Wing was a big one. I used to play a lot of um, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter 2. But uh, yeah, anytime you did the trench run, it was just so awesome. No matter what game you were playing. And what was the other one on sixty four? Was it like I want to say like Shadows of the Empire? But I don't yeah, it was Shadows. Yeah, Shadows of the Empire. Okay. Yeah, yeah we brought it up. Like we brought it up like five minutes ago. No big deal. Ah, I missed it. Sorry. <laughs> we lose Sam sometimes. He gets very bored with us. I uh, my deep low of, soothing voice yes, puts him to sleep. Uh, of the three of y'all that were in the military, I might be the only one with the five thousand yard stare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have severe ADD, so it's okay. Um, cool. And we can talk about our favorite Star Wars movies. It's also, sorry, it's also like eight degrees in my garage right now. So <laughs> That's fair. I mean, you say we can talk about our favorite Star Wars movies. All of us are going to say Empire, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's because That's... it's so phenomenal. Like, here's, here's the reason why Empire sticks out is... A New Hope is like an introduction. You're filled with awe. You're filled with, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, wow. And it has this happy ending. But Empire is just like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, oh. you're edge of your seat, you know, almost the whole movie. Like, is Luke going to make it to his friends on time? Oh, my goodness. He's facing Vader for the first time. You know, like, he got his hand chopped off. I mean, it's just, who is this? Who's this Boba Fett guy? You know, like, I mean, it's that that whole movie is just like, boom, boom, boom. It's it's wild. But it's big storytelling, though. Oh, yeah. And it's a character that you think is not going to live. You think is going to die. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, that's why you're at the edge of your seat. And I know moving forward, but that's why other movies these days don't work the way they should and empire is probably like 
like I said, probably peak storytelling, the way an action story, like when I talk about what a good story is, Empire is that story yeah. through and through. Yeah. Well, you go yeah. through the hero's journey and, and, you know, but you also, you know, you learn a little bit more about Vader who, you know, like in, in the first, in A New Hope, <clears throat> Vader is this very intriguing character. Everybody wants mm-hmm. to know, like, man, who is this guy underneath all this armor? Like, what's his story? And then you, you know, you you find out in the in the second one, oh, he's Luke's dad. Like, what? You know, and and what is so? Who is this guy? You know, and how did this happen to him? And that's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's, I think that's what makes Empire just this timeless, amazing film. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, that whole thing, like, I wish I had, I wish I was, you know, alive at that time in the theater watching this and being able to understand it when Vader tells Luke that he's his father. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even imagine what the audience thought because it was already a phenomenon. Yeah. You know, Star Wars was already a phenomenon. So all these people came to the theater to watch Luke do battle with this guy. Find out it's his goddamn dad. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. You haven't seen the movie from the 80s. You're fucked. Um, Man, you ruined it. God damn it. It's such a good movie and the story is so well told. And the best part is the three uh, main characters from the first one uh, have almost no screen time together. Yep. Which is what's really interesting. They have about five minutes of screen time together. Um, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's close to that. And they told the story just, you know, and it was just a good story. And it was something that we haven't gotten from Star Wars since. Um, just, even Return of the Jedi was, just you know. Just remember that Star Wars is a story about a religious fundamentalist that fights against the government. Right. Yeah. But so, well, yeah. kind of. I've got a whole rant about that coming up, so I stay have, tuned. Oh, I haven't I have an issue with the original trilogy and it's that a new hope is the worst of the trilogy in my opinion. And I I base this off of the fact that I've tried to get my wife to watch the original trilogy. We didn't make it through a new hope and then we decided to watch the extended edition of Lord of the Rings and she sat down and watched all of that with me, but we couldn't make it through a new hope. Like once you get past that, it, it's, it's just setting up the scene. It's setting up everything in that we know about star Wars at that point, but it is slow. It is a slow start. It, it and is, it I, is. I love it. I love it, but it, it's it, it couldn't drag my wife into it really and, until they break Leia out of, of prison. Uh, like there's mm-hmm. there's very little action, you know. Yeah. But I I think my favorite part, my favorite section of all the movies is the whole saga with Jabba from beginning to end um, with Luke using his powers, showing that he's improved his use of the force and then what i find very interesting was when they killed the rancor and uh what do they call the pig people what's the pig people it's called morians the morian guards yeah where where he's where he's crying 
and he's sympathetic to the Rancor. <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of like Godzilla being a monster, but like Godzilla really? don't know what he's doing. He's not trying to kill people. He's yeah. just like, yeah, he's, he's not like an thing. evil being. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just following instinct. And like a monster's not just like a, it's, it's not like a violent thing. They're just following instinct. And so I just thought it was, there's just layers to that part where I just felt bad just watching him cry for the rancor there. Yeah, that like taking care of they his were pet, friends you know? with yeah. that creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that rancor. then you got <laughs> Leia. Um, where oh, the, the rancors always look like poop to me. Well, then, you know, poop with teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And teeth. Big hands. Big hand poop teeth. Yeah. Well, Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi obviously was where everybody discovered what their sexuality was. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Leia's wearing slave costumes. Yep. Like, if you're giving highlights on that movie and you don't mention that, I know you're gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm. Pretty sure me and a Leia's collective collector's card had some very intimate moments when I was about. <laughs> it's very ruined. <laughs> Whatever you were in the land. There's though. no resale value <laughs> on that one anymore. <laughs> he is pansexual or something. I don't know. Yeah, you just make up. You just make up words. You know. <laughs> Let me finish about about the original Star Wars because okay. my my final thought on that is that the original trilogy offered up something to us that was just so amazing. Um, and uh, it was a new world. It was a whole new world for us, a whole new galaxy that left us wanting to hear more, wanting to know more. We, th- you know, that we learned about the Jedi. We all wanted to be Jedi. It was, uh, we were so excited for it. Um, you know, we wanted to be a smuggler. We wanted, we wanted to be these characters. Uh, and that, first you know that first series of movies created that for us Mm -hmm. which will bring us into our next topic well i i do remember wanting to know and see more about bubba fett yes oh yeah and now that we get to see him more about it i don't care as much yeah disney is not canon it's it's just bad fan fiction (laughs) I like the Mandalorian. I will continue watching that. I like the first two seasons. I liked it before they, they got rid of Gina Carano. And they have Gina a movie Carano. coming out. And, they and have a movie coming out soon for the Mandalorian. I was not coming out soon, but it's coming. I was very excited for the third season because I'm a big Bo Katan fan. And um I mean like her mm-hmm. story yeah. arc through both Clone Wars and uh, and Rebels was was just awesome, and um, yeah, I, I was not a fan of that season, but you know, well, hey, <clears throat> I still like it. Anything with the Mandalorian, it's a big fan since uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Oh yeah, speaking I do of like uh, Tamora Morrison, and I guess I haven't hated it too much, but um, Adam prequels and sequels, yes, so. As I was mentioning, the original trilogy brought us all these brand new concepts, all this fun, exciting new ideas of like the Jedi. Who are the Jedi? 
oh, there was a time where the Jedi numbered in the thousands. We want to see this. The prequels come out and show us that the Jedi were a bunch of assholes and deservedly got wiped out. They are the worst thing for the galaxy. The original trilogy (laughs) brought in this whole concept that the Empire were basically space Nazis, right? That's what we all believe. They were called stormtroopers. Okay, there was plenty of parallels. And we were like, they're the bad guys. They're the space Nazis. Well, now you go into the prequels and you find out that the Jedi, who were kind of talked about like they were the Jews of World War Two, were actually super assholes. All of them, every single one of them. And they changed the whole thing. What actually ended up happening was the Empire was good for the galaxy. And that ruins everything going into the original trilogy. And if you don't believe me, I've got some evidence. First of all, okay, let's talk about uh, how the Jedi basically couldn't figure out that there was a Sith Lord taking power in the Republic. Like they're like, oh, I feel a dark presence and all this with like planets away. And all of a sudden they can't figure out that the biggest Sith Lord ever is fucking sitting in the goddamn presidential chair. Like, okay, so you guys are completely ignoring that. Second of all, you're sitting there saying, oh, you should not have any type of attachments to anybody or anything. Uh, Well, you know, fuck that. That's just going to cause a revolt. Uh, And they are Jedi masters of none. Okay, they're sitting there. They're what are they? They're peacekeepers. They're supposed to be peacekeepers. In uh, Phantom Menace, they go to Naboo to try to negotiate this whole thing with the Trade Federation. And what ends up happening is they end up getting into a big fight with them, uh, basically creating this war. They've done absolutely nothing to help any of it. They were not neutral parties. Um, And then they basically do nothing the rest of the time. But then in later movies, they're basically detectives. They're just... They they're jacks of all trade, but again, Jedi masters of none. Like they've done nothing to help the galaxy. Um, Tatooine still has slavery. Okay, we find that out in the prequels. Uh, once the Empire took takes over, is there slavery on Tatooine anymore? Nope. The Empire was all about peace and order. Okay, and I am and I know I'm arguing for the Empire right now. But if you look at how bad things were in the prequels, and then you look and then you go back to the original trilogy. Things were so much better for the galaxy. And the Empire was only killing rebels. I think that, the rebels were the ones being the assholes. I think that there are a lot of Wookiees that would disagree with you on the slavery thing. <laughs> nobody nobody cares about those dogmen people. <laughs> I think I get, I totally I get what you're saying. Um because I I, I definitely agree. That the Jedi were just—they were so impotent in the in the prequels, and they were idiots, you know. But I also get what what Lucas was kind of saying was that that their own kind of hubris caused them to be blind to. I mean, we 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 see it in the real world. How many times, you know? Like, I mean, I'm sure that there were people in Germany that were like, "Wait a minute." How did we get here in 1938? You know, and mm-hmm. and it's you know it's it's a story of just how hubris blinds you and and makes you uh, you know um, cause an entire republic to fall. <laughs> but you know what? The empire was just so much better for the galaxy. 
and you realize that. But like you're sold the story in the original trilogy that like, oh, they're the bad guys. But they never talk about what the Empire really does that makes them the bad guys. Okay, they've got a planet destroying weapon. Got it. Okay, big deal. Who do they use it on? The Rebels. That's it. That's the only time they ever use it was on the Rebels. Yes, granted, they never really had a chance to use it to do anything else. But I mean, they weren't sitting there trying to attack normal people. They just wanted peace and order in the galaxy. Even in the uh, the uh, in Chancellor Palpatine, uh, in Emperor Palpatine's speech, he says, we're going to bring order to the galaxy. So he saw there was something wrong. And there was there was something wrong. The Republic was doing jack shit the whole time. So why the hell not have somebody come and be like, hey, like, let's go and fix things. This guy's like, let's fix it. Let's save the galaxy right now. You and me together. Let's do this. You know what? It's going to be a monarchy, but it is what it is. We're going to fix this. And they did. They fixed it. Now, they wanted they wanted peace and order. So long as you did exactly what they told you, you were allowed to do. They wanted peace and order. <laughs> They were. It was the best for the people in power. (laughs) They were were an empire of law. Why? Why do you think smuggling was such a big thing? That's what we learned in the 1920s in America. That if you make something illegal, people will go out of their way to do it anyway. (laughs) It was an empire of law. You follow the law, you never have problems with the empire. And I don't think any of their laws were crazy. Don't keep uh, slaves. That was a big one. Well, there was that whole uh like Palpatine Palpatine had a, a rule that only humans could be stormtroopers. He wouldn't allow any other races to be stormtroopers. And 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 most officers to be- too. You know, Thrawn was kind of the exception, whether you're going with uh, old canon or new. You know, to be uh, fair, to be fair, my headcanon on that is because they made one type of armor and they weren't going to create another type of armor for every kind of alien. Yeah, <laughs> so they were just like, all right, if you can fit in the armor, it's only you is going to be stormtroopers. <laughs> That's my headcanon, at least. And, and maybe and- the prequels were really about the fall of the Jedi. And I will give it that. Okay. Maybe this really was just about the fall. Yeah. And not and I don't just mean them getting wiped out. I mean the fall of like, you know, what they believed was right. You know, I mean it's like any religion really. You start to get too crazy with your little cult and uh eventually you get to a point where you're having a shootout in Waco. Okay. Well, hey now. And, and- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I, my, there, my, I don't know. I've watched a lot of shows on it. My biggest issue with the prequels is really the fact, and it goes into Clone Wars too, is really the fact that apparently the Jedi think that the only people that can handle things are freaking Obi-Wan and Anakin. Because they are. Because they send them like across the galaxy all the time just to deal with some little thing here and there. When you've got Plo Koon, you've got all these other great freaking Jedi that obviously have the background because they're all masters that we follow in Clone Wars that could obviously deal with this stuff. But no, it's got to be Obi-Wan and Anakin. Well, the Jedi are ostensibly bad at their jobs. That's why. They are. And if if um, if you've ever read the, the book, uh, 
was it Cloak of Deception. So it happens before episode one. It's it's kind of a lead up. It's more of a political intrigue um, type story. It's uh, Palpatine is moving the pieces around. You know, he's he's doing all this behind the scenes stuff to, uh, you know, to set up the coming uh, story arcs, you know. And and you you kind of find out that ever since ever since Bane uh, instituted the rule of two, that that has been the number one focus of the Sith is to make the Jedi believe that there is no more danger and that that they are, you know, the, the king of the galaxy and they can, you know, and, and build that hubris up so that they will fail in the end. And, you know, it's just a, they were playing the long game. Well, and the best point I'll give of how much the Jedi suck is if you play any video game where you can be a Jedi and choose between being a Jedi and a Sith Lord, it is always more fun to play as the Sith Lord. Always more fun. Their powers are better. You can basically do whatever you want. And you get to you, use lightning. You get to use force lightning. Yeah, you do. You know, I and remember playing... Yeah, I remember playing They're Jedi Knight 2. I remember oh, playing man. Jedi Knight 2, and I used to fuck my friend up every time because when we play on the Death Star uh, and we'd be like, we'd go meet on a bridge, and I would just grab him with a force choke and hold him over a pit and drop him. <laughs> that was what I would do every <laughs> single time. Like, no mercy whatsoever. It is so much better, and just, you know, they're just so, they're completely blind to corruption. They're doing absolutely nothing for the Republic. They should die. Uh, and, but this makes me even more upset going later on into what we know, uh, now with the sequels, um, where Luke had a chance to bring the Jedi order back to its origins, to make them strong, to make them better people. And he completely fucks that up himself. And that pissed me off. I don't blame Luke. I blame Disney and, mm. uh, Kathleen Kennedy cause she sucks. It's their bad fan um, fiction. Yeah. It's just, it's just so like, in my head, when I saw Luke, I was like, when I saw that they were having sequels, I'm like, Luke's created a new Jedi order. He's creating all the new Jedi. He's doing this thing and he's doing it right. And then they just completely shut it down by being like, I'm going to murder my nephew because he had a bad dream. Which makes no sense whatsoever. Luke no. yeah. saved his father. He saved his father, who was the worst Sith that he was seen in the movies yes and he saved him why would he choose to kill his nephew it makes no sense whatsoever he was gonna murder his nephew in his sleep yeah yeah what 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 happened terrible writing that's what happened terrible and he drank some weird milk yeah, yeah. <laughs> really show him getting the fucking getting it out of the nipple man don't understand straight out the teeth but uh but Babu Frick was freaking awesome. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I I just but, like like you know I had said earlier when did Star Wars get bad? Because it wasn't with the initial Disney purchase. When no, the initial no. Disney purchase happened, there there was this small wind <clears throat> window where like the like if you were into the comics and the and the and the books it. The canon was damn near non-existent. I mean, it was 
all mm. over the place. Everything had been stepped on, mm-hmm. you know, and and Disney goes in and is like, okay, we're gonna clean this up. And they were they were doing a pretty good job of it. Um I, I would say uh the the two seasons of Clone Wars that came out after Disney's purchase were uh were fantastic. I liked the first three seasons of Rebels. Um, the fourth season got a little weird and like not Star Warsy with that whole in between worlds place. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And, uh, you know, so uh, I would say, you know, yeah, right around that time was was when it was like, OK. And then you get episode seven and it was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of it. Like. This is now, and I felt like, so when I saw the force awakens, I thought it was return to form for star Wars. I actually enjoyed that movie. Uh, I thought it was good. It's basically a new hope. Yeah, yeah, it it was, mm -hmm. but I felt like it was a fairly well-told movie, uh, you know, all around. And then they got into the last Jedi and I was like, Nope. I was like, this destroys everything that this first movie was setting up. There was no communication on it. I, I genuinely, I think I enjoyed. I, I don't think I enjoyed the Force Awakens, but I think it also got ruined by the next two movies. Yeah, I just think I think Ray was such an awful character from the get go. Um, yeah, that is what. Like I that was, was I was in, I was intrigued by Kylo Ren, and I know a lot of people. Right. Yes, a lot of people were were complaining about how whiny he was, and I was like, "Hello, Have, did you watch the prequels? Anakin whines constantly. This is what and happened. so does Luke, right? But it was a unique character, and and what what that was with Kylo was this is what happens when you don't have the Jedi training to mm-hmm. not unleash your temper tantrums, because but he. Re- you reminded me of like an eighties bully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the, the thing that ruined star Wars was when they switched directors and that director decided he didn't like what Abrams was doing mm-hmm. and totally ruined everything that Ra- Abrams set up. You know, honestly, it all down the toilet. Honestly, I think, I think all of that was Kathleen Kennedy. I, I think ultimately, it like it was, it was all. But, but what's his name? What was the director's name? Leon Johnson, I think, was the one that did. But yeah, but he totally told fans to go fuck themselves. Yeah, so yeah, that's no. a thing. Well, that's a like he literally told fans suck my dick. Yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, like those were his exact words well, when fans said, "Hey, this sucks." He said, "My dick." Yeah. That was his words. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And with that, the hate for Star Wars got even stronger with his bad attitude. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I, and, and it just, it really fell apart. There was no real plan, I don't think. It wasn't like, hey, this is the story. This is what we're doing. Make it unique. Make it look good. Like, let's go from here. Um, I am hopeful with Dave Filoni taking over now as the creative uh, um, director that things will start to move in a more positive direction 
and bring us back to form. I know that they are doing a uh, High Republic uh, movie series, which uh, I'm looking forward to because I love the High Republic uh, storylines. Uh, hopefully that it's good. I, I, you know, the Knights of the Old Republic, um, the Old Republic MMO, those were great games to play. Uh, I've read some of the books. They've been very good. Um, I think it's something that they could do that's new and exciting. And another thing, John Boyoga's character, Finn, had a very interesting story arc. He was this... Until that last freaking movie. At the beginning he did, and then they were just like, oh, fuck this guy. Like like in Star Wars that I've seen, like I never read all the books. I'm, I'm a Star Wars schmuck. I've always watched it, always loved it. I'm not like huge i'm the guy that's like what do you call the pig characters um <laughs> but like you, you never got to know a stormtrooper in the past movies no and this was a guy that deflected and became part of the crew and they didn't like really get into his backstory it was just this uh low-hanging fruit of a of a character that they did not like they they could have uh really opened up and they didn't mm-hmm. like not like throughout the whole series they didn't like get into Finn's character at all they did not build and and get into his past as much as they should have well you know that's the thing is like and here's why i i just i I think they do it on purpose. I think they want to ruin this stuff for all of us because what they'll do is they'll they'll throw in Sam. I use that phrase right. All right, I saw your face. I use that phrase right. You son of a bitch. It is not. It is not deflected. It is defected. defected. Oh, I thought you were talking about low hanging fruit. No. <laughs> You said uh, he deflected from the stormtroopers. He defected from the stormtroopers. No, I said defected. You're you're no, you wrong. Didn't. No, you're you didn't. Bitch. I heard <laughs> deflected. So well, you're yeah. all yep. fucking dead. <laughs> the three the three of us that were listening to you are wrong. You're a hundred percent right. I stopped paying attention five minutes ago, but I'm good. I'm back. I'm gonna say something not woke, Adam. Cut this out. Mark this here. All right. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> We've got it on video. He is canceled. There you go. Um, no, like they'll throw you a bone every once in a while. You'll get you'll get Rogue One, you know, and and it'd be like Rogue oh, One was fantastic. Absolutely, that was a good movie, and it draws oh it draws the fans back. You know, they're like all the fans are excited because they're like, yes, we you know this is Star Wars right here, and then they're like, Ooh. all right. Now here we go with some and and not not like if they want a strong female character, that's how they do it. That's how you do it. She was fantastic yep. in that movie. It was yep. such a good movie, such a well told story. I don't know how they go from that to Ray. Ray made no sense. No, none whatsoever. And it was just, I mean, like you know, you can't. Just all of a sudden, oh, but she she's was such a great actress. She does though. a Jedi mind trick in the first freaking film with no training whatsoever. There's like yeah. any <laughs> any Star Wars so fan powerful. is like no, no. Like, but was, she was a great actress, so that's the thing. Like 
she was perfect for the role and she herself as an actress did a good job the character was shit yeah 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 and you know i mean honestly i wish a lot of these actors and actresses would read these scripts and be like i'm i'm just not doing this like get somebody else because this is this is shit that's one of the things about uh, so you know after after Daisy Ridley was done with with the the Disney Star Wars trilogy she was complaining about not being able to get a job well if she knew anything about Star Wars she would know that if you take on the role as the main character in Star Wars you, you are forever cursed you don't get any more yep. jobs in major film um, you yep. get to go into voice acting <laughs> yep yeah Mark Hamill, what a good voice actor, though. Man, just so fantastic. Mark Hamill did it, some stuff. It, it feels like we're winding down on the Star Wars commentary here. Um, before we get away from it, before we finish out, whatever, wherever we're going now, what colored lightsaber would each of you have? Purple. Green. Blue. I'm thinking orange or white. White would be a good one, but. You know. How about pants? Speaking of uh, speaking of colors, um, there is a whole storyline that they have not explored in the movies at all yet, which is about the gray Jedi who are not light. Nope, they're not dark. They're somewhere in the middle and they are right. Uh, They're the ones who are right. But they're not technically canon. There are. So in 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 the previous canon, the Lucas era canon. There was also a sect called the Paladins, and yep. they they I would use lame women. they would use blasters as well as lightsabers, um, and and they were actually more correct than than the Jedi Order. Um, there, there's actually like when you if if you ever read the uh, Knights of the Old Republic comic books, um, you know which is obviously like that's the uh, um, it's before Revan goes goes bad yeah or whatever but you kind of see it build up um you know like you you see like that era of jedi is like all these different sects of jedi that are just kind of loosely associated with each other but you know and the rules are completely different they they're all into bloodlines and having children and keeping the force strong and, and all that. Yeah. You know, and and um I, I always like that because the way you see it in the movies is like, oh, there's just the Jedi Order. Well, you know, in 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 the in the old other stories, there's other force using sex that aren't just Jedi. I mean, there's there's all kinds of different stuff, you know, going yep. on. Yeah. Well, and I wish they would kind of explore into some of that because that could be really interesting stories there and mm-hmm. pointing out different points of view. I mean, it's kind of we did. I mean, we kind of got something like that with the Mandalorian where you find out, you know, hey, there's different groups of the Mandalorian that believe in different things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which was cool. It's like that would be cool to explore <laughs> with the Jedi a little bit. And you don't hear about them, you know, any of these other Jedi sects in the prequels, uh, which means, again, the Jedi were probably assholes and we're like, no, fuck them. They're out. Which yeah. the Mandal- Mandalorians have some of my favorite lore of all of Star Wars, which is when they ended up fighting the Jedi a lot. Jedi a lot. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. Mandalorians who use blasters, and the Jedi kept deflecting their blaster shots. 
and the man Mandalorians decided to go back to guns. <laughs> yep. So when the when the Jedi deflected deflected their gunshots, it just shot hot uh, lead into the Jedi's faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my favorite piece yep. of favorite piece of lore there. Once again, we are Spit Take Podcast. You can find us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Rumble. Anywhere you want to go, you will find Spit Take Podcast. We are Sam, Rick, Adam with special guest Chris. And come on back next time. Rick, take us out. Level up, guys!